I'm Lillian Vasquez with Lifestyles on KVCR. Thanks for listening. Over the years, I've spoken with many powerhouse vocalists who you may recognize from PBS specials on our sister station, KVCR-TV. On today's show, I'll speak with singer-songwriter Daniel Emmett. His new PBS special is titled Simply the Best, where he partners and sings with Pia Toscano. Daniel was a finalist on America's Got Talent and will be performing with Pia in Rancho Mirage on March 6 at Agua Caliente Resort Casino Spa with the Desert Symphony. Here's my conversation with singer-songwriter Daniel Emmett. Welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Lillian. It's great to be here today. So, of course, we will talk about your experience on America's Got Talent. But first, I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. So, were you that kid that was singing and performing in elementary school plays? Or were you the kid playing baseball and maybe performing came later in life? And where did you grow up? Well, it's a little bit of all of the above. I did sing in school choir and I did participate in the plays growing up, but I... uh, I came to the full-on performance way of life, I would say, later on, and uh, you hit it on the head. I was that kid who I was on the Little League baseball team, and I'm really grateful that I found music because my talents do not lie in the wonderful, wide world of sports, (laughs) but um, (laughs) I grew up in upstate New York, in Rochester, to be specific, and uh, I moved to Las Vegas when I was 15 years old with my family when I was in high school. And moving to Las Vegas is when I started seeing these incredible shows that we have here in town. I'm still based in Las Vegas. That's where I am today. You know, with the amazing artists that have headlined the Las Vegas Strip over the years, people like Celine Dion, Donnie Marie Osmond, Barry Manilow, you name it, Adele's there right now. You know, all, all these incredible, incredible performers really inspired me to want to give it a shot. And I was bitten by the bug of performance and music. And I uh, had my first experience singing on stage as myself, not as a character, but as an artist when I was in high school out here in Nevada. And I remember stepping off the stage and telling my parents, this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And they have been so supportive. I have a wonderfully supportive family. And the rest is, as they say, history. This is what I find myself doing. So that's when you knew is when you first performed and you either hear the applause or you get to sing or you watch their faces and you think, this is what I want to do. You would go on to college, and you would have your Southern California connection here with us, and that would be at Chapman University. When you got there, was there an almighty teacher that just said, Daniel, you're fabulous, let's do this? Or how did the world at um, Chapman College go? Chapman was such a great period in my life, and I'm so lucky that I got to spend time in Southern California, spend time in Chapman. Chapman was an unbelievable experience for me. I had a phenomenal voice teacher that I studied with for all my years at Chapman and several years beyond that until she passed away. Her name was Carol Neblett, and she was, first of all, she was a tremendous artist in her own right. She toured all over the world and performed on every major opera house that has ever existed, including headlining with some of the greatest artists of all time, people like Luciana Pavarotti and Placido Domingo, everyone who was working in the opera world at that time in the throughout the 70s and 80s when she was at the peak of her career. And I was just so fortunate to get to learn from her not only the incredible vocal technique that she had, but also from her stories of being on the stage and from having these incredible experiences all over the world. I feel I learned as much from her in a stagecraft aspect just from 
being around her and being with her presence. And, you know, when you find a great teacher like that, who's an artist who can inspire you and someone you connect with, someone who's beyond a teacher, they're a mentor for you. She really just instilled this sense of wonder for me for the classical music art form and how that kind of training applies to every aspect of singing. Did she get to see your rise to fame or your your success? Unfortunately, no. Oh. She passed away right before I was on America's Got Talent. So oh. she was a huge believer in me, and she'd seen me in concert and different places around the country. And But we had a, a wonderful seven years of lessons together, nice. and it was it was a beautiful time. Nice. So classically trained, pop singer? Yes. What are you? So Well, that's a good question. Thanks. Um, I, so when I moved to Las Vegas, I started taking voice lessons. That was a requirement to be in the upper level choir that I was accepted into. And that's when I discovered that the more classical crossover operatic sound kind of falls out of my face. Naturally, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it, um, but it was something that my sound just gravitated towards and something I was really comfortable with and, and intrigued by. And I loved the power and the emotion and just the intensity that that style of music is driven by. My family says I was born with an amplifier in my stomach, so it, it, it helped. I knew it. In, uh, <laughs> in those situations. But when I went to Chapman and connected with, of course, my teacher, Carol, and with the wonderful faculty there and just being a great school, they were so open to having me sing all styles of music and learning a great classical foundation in which to support whatever direction of music I wanted to go in all the while getting a great liberal arts education as well. Go liberal so arts, that, yay. <laughs> yes, Chapman University, cannot say enough good things about it. 10 out of 10, would recommend. Well, they need to have you do their next commercial when they're promoting their college. Boy, you're, <laughs> it's coming from the heart on that one, so you'd be great. Okay, let's talk about America's Got Talent because that'll allow us to talk about the classical part for sure. And I know you're going to be asked this so many times, but it is what kind of shot you to uh, the public, right? The public's eye. So kind of have to do it. So tell me about your experience. And I think it's two different times, so the different capacities First off, how old were you when you did the first time? Because you're you're still a baby right now, in in my lens. Well, I love you for that very dearly. When I first auditioned for America's Got Talent, I was the ripe old age of 24 years young, and it was incredible. It was overwhelming. Nothing on this earth can fully prepare you for walking out on a stage like that in front of people like Simon Cowell and Mel B and Heidi Klum and Howie Mandel, they were the judges in my first season. And I love that they're all back together now for the current season. That yeah. feels like a little, a little family reunion to the television for those of <laughs> us that were a part of those seasons. That first experience, when I walked out on that stage the very first time, I was very excited. I had an original song in Italian that I had prepared titled Amante, which is on the record that I released last year. And it was so nerve-wracking, but I was just so excited to go out there and give it everything I had and just sing my face off and hope that what I did would translate to the judges and, by extension, the audience in America. And my goal with what I do, with kind of being in that classical crossover lane, I've always loved to really blur that line between operatic classical singing and pop music and really just kind of bring a little bit of that 
classical power and intensity and the drama of that orchestral music into a mainstream setting. When I first auditioned on America's Got Talent, the Las Vegas Review Journal coined me the gateway drug to classical music. And I love that. <laughs> that is good. That's exactly what I wanted to be. So that was my whole goal. I was going out, I was singing an original song in Italian. And <laughs> this is the piece of advice that I wish someone had shared with me before I went on the show. Don't do an original song for your first audition. Just don't do it. Don't do it. But I did. And I walked out there and right at the peak of the song, Simon Cowell puts up his hand and stops me. That's not that's not how you want your first audition to go. You know, in that moment, you're like, what is happening? What just happened? Uh, yeah. And in that, I wish I'd known in that very moment. He cleared up his intentions a few minutes later. But uh, he had stopped me because Simon, first and foremost, is a producer. And he's a song guy. Mm -hmm. And he heard my voice. And there was something about it that he wanted to hear more of. But he had a particular song in mind that he wanted me to sing. Mm. So Simon said, I have this song. You probably don't know it. It's not a well-known thing but I think you'd sound great on it. Go backstage and go learn it, and then I'll have you come back and sing it. Learn it in an hour. And that's the thing. See, when I walked off stage, I didn't know he meant an hour later. So <laughs> I had one hour to learn this brand new song in Italian. So credit to my training at Chapman University for allowing me to have a background in the, the romance languages. So I had a, a little bit of a a hopeful start with it and I went back and I learned this great song originally uh, made famous by Il Divo mm -hmm. and the song is called Pastera mm -hmm. and it's really a beautiful piece Pastera Pastera Sei un ragazzo e una chitarra Sono lì come te in città a guardare questa vita che non va che ci ammazza di illusioni e con età delle canzoni but yeah i had 45 minutes really to get my head around it come back out on stage and then sing it in front of simon cowell and 10 million people watching and you did absolutely it absolutely terrifying and you did it but through uh, some divine intervention and some uh, <laughs> some caffeine, <laughs> I was able able to pull it off, and I'll never forget the moment when I walked back out on that stage because um, Heidi Klum looked right at me and she said, "If you get even one word of this song right, it's an automatic yes from me, and I am so proud of you for just walking back out here and giving it your all." And that kind of thing, that's why she's one of my favorite people on the planet, because she has a true heart of gold. And it was just, it was a moment that I will never forget having that incredible opportunity to take that chance and run with it. You know, I'm really glad you said that about Heidi, because that's how she comes across. She seems very sincere mm -hmm. and kind and... Simon has his stick, and he is who he is, and he is a producer, and he's done so much, of course. But what I think he, he saw and heard in you was the talent and the voice, and then if you can do this, then you're, you're a keeper. Now, granted, you didn't win that year, right? You are correct. But, you know, part of the real winning to me, mm. and to I'm sure many of my colleagues who have been on the show, is just the chance to be able to do what you love on a platform like that, to show your art to the world and hope that it resonates with people and hope that it connects with some people so that you can have the opportunities to 
do what I've done since then, be able to travel, be able to perform around the world and continue to share that love of music with people across the globe. After America's Got Talent, somehow you connect with David Foster. And that's quite an accomplishment. I've interviewed David in the past here in our TV station and on the radio. How did you come to know David and then go on tour with him? It's one of these things where it's the right place, the right time, and you're prepared for it. Not unlike what we discussed with America's Got Talent, being able to, when you have that opportunity put in front of you that is the chance of a lifetime, you run with it. And there was an opportunity where they were in need of a tenor like myself, someone who can sing classical crossover and pop music and everything in between, to be a part of their tour. Hmm. The next thing I knew, I found myself standing in David Foster's living room at his piano singing, You Raise Me Up for the man himself, getting a chance to sing my favorite songs for the man who produced and wrote them in his living room with a chance of a lifetime to get to be a part of this incredible family that goes on tour. It was a chance that I was so grateful for. And I guess it went well because uh, he has asked me to tour with him. I've had the chance to perform with him on three continents and I'm going out with them on the road again this year. And it's just been a wonderful gift to get to know him. And of course, Catherine as well. And just to be in the presence of someone like that who is such a gifted artist and musical wizard. He's a great guy. He's a really good person and someone who I'm so grateful to be able to work with and also someone who I'm so grateful to call my friend. I want to talk about Simply the Best. When it came to producing Simply the Best for PBS, choosing a set list must be the absolute hardest thing to do. And then you performed or Elvis performed And then in the special, are you a James Bond fan? Oh, so many good questions in one moment. I'll start at the top and work my way down. You're absolutely right. Choosing a set list for a show like this is, it's a joy and a nightmare all wrapped up in one because there are so many songs that you want to put into the show. And when something that I loved about collaborating with Pia, our voices, it's one of those things where I don't know how to explain it. But it's, it's a very rare thing that happens when you start to sing with someone and you immediately know that there's not a single song on earth that the two of you couldn't tackle together. It's just this musical kindred spirit That's nice. that I was so excited about and so grateful for and really thrilled about the prospect of producing this special for the two of us to create. And when we were putting our set list together, it was so hard to narrow the list down. There were so many great titles that unfortunately either got left on the cutting room floor or are something that we'll get to, you know, there's there's so much material that we wanted to put into it. So um, let me stop you there. So that must I, mean there's a Simply the Best part too. Okay, go on. <laughs> we, well, I, <laughs> I would love to do that. That would be an incredible opportunity. If the, if the stars align and we could create that to happen, we definitely have the material for it, let me tell you. And then, as you mentioned, being able to perform in Elvis's house in the International Theater at Westgate Las Vegas, I should say, which used to be the old Las Vegas Hilton and the International right. Hotel, which is where Elvis, of course, had his groundbreaking, incredible, record-shattering residency. Yes. And to stand on that stage where not only Elvis, but so many incredibly gifted and renowned performers. Barbara Streisand actually opened that theater back oh. in 1969, I believe it was. Nice. And artists like Johnny Cash, Shaka Khan, Reba McIntyre, Barry Manilow, of course. It's I think he might be on stage right now as we speak. 
um, <laughs> there. It's, it's such hallowed ground for young artists like Pia and myself, people who are, you know, hoping to continue to build our careers and maybe one day have names like that out there who have made a, a real lasting impact on music. And to be able to launch our first PBS special from a stage like that was an opportunity I will always be so thankful for. To get to sing Can't Help Falling in Love mm. on that stage, it means something. Yeah. It becomes more than a song. list was really good. I encourage our listeners to watch it on KVCR TV. And I loved all the songs that you chose, whether it was pop or classical. And I love the theme from Beauty and the Beast. But you got oh, your James too. you got your James Bond fix there, right? I did. So I am probably the world's biggest James Bond fan ever. Um, it's something I I remember it. It was, it's one of the first movies I ever remember seeing as a kid was Goldeneye. And I just immediately, I fell in love with everything, the gadgets, the cars, (laughs) the incredible music in it, you name it. The whole, the whole James Bond franchise is just, it, it's so cool to me. And so I knew when we were putting together a concert special for TV, we had to do a James Bond set. No one can run. we have some James Bond fans listening listening along with us today. Mad respect to all of you out there. Our James Bond segment was a piece of the PBS special that I was I would say particularly proud of. I think you and Pia have great chemistry together. You your voices complement each other, your style. It's really Thank a you. quite enjoyable show and I think people of all ages can enjoy that concert. So all right, I want to ask you about your self-titled album. You said this is where you did have your song that you wrote when you auditioned or played on America's Got Talent? Amante is Amante. on that. Actually, both times I appeared in front of Simon Cowell, uh, both times my cover of You're the Inspiration that I performed just a few seasons ago. If any of our listeners out there caught that episode where Simon Cowell sang, that was me. I that was, was hilarious. Of Simon Cowell in that episode, along with some really, really powerful covers, I feel, if if that's okay, if I do say so myself. One thing I love doing is taking songs and 
flipping them on their ear, whether it's throwing in a little bit of that classical influence with a great orchestra. And we were fortunate enough to get to record with the City of Prague Philharmonic over in the Czech Republic for some of these titles or adding in a foreign language, giving them something that's a little bit of a twist that brings in my classical heritage. I love being able to do that for this classical crossover record alongside songs that I had written as well. Nice. So you get a little bit of both, and people get to know you, Mm -hmm. your music, and your songwriting a little bit more. Okay, I want to ask you, you have a love for animals, but you have Blue, who is the number one dog in your life. Will you share how you met? Absolutely. He is, as you said, the number one dog in my life. He is my Border Collie Mutt Rescue, who one thing I love doing, especially in the spring and and early summer here in Las Vegas, is going out and hiking in our wonderful mountains that we have that ring the valley. And I was on a hike one day, and we got to the turnaround point, and this little ball of fur just crawled into my lap. And, you know, which is the the greatest thing ever when you're on a hike and you meet a dog. It's, you know, the highlight of the day already. And I was talking to Mm -hmm. who I believed was his owner at the time. And she said, oh, well, he's actually up for adoption. And I said, not anymore. And uh, it was about two weeks later, I was able to finalize the adoption process and brought him home. And he is just the sweetest little creature. He's actually sitting right next to me right now. Mm -hmm. And he is ironically, quite musical. I don't know how that happened, but he makes no noise whatsoever. So he can be in the studio when I'm recording Mm. or working on whatever. But as I'm rehearsing, and this may sound fully crazy, but I promise you it's true. If I hit a bad note, he will let me know. (laughs) If everything is going well and rehearsal's going good, recording's going good, he will fall asleep and he will stay asleep no matter how loud I sing. I can sing Nessendorma three feet from him, completely passed out. But if I miss a high note, uh uh-oh, he sits right up, looks at me, and is like, you need to try that again, buddy. That was not good. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. You know, I do want to ask you, I always feel like it's quite an honor to be asked to sing the national anthem at sporting events Mm -hmm. or wherever you're asked to sing it. And you've had that opportunity. Tell me about that. You're 100% right. It is first and foremost an honor. I would say because of that honor, it is the most nerve-wracking performance you can do because it's so important. It's so near and dear to our entire country's heart where there's an extra layer of pressure to be your absolute best. Mm. And one of my all-time favorite performances just happened last year, just a few months ago. I had the honor of performing the national anthem for the Los Angeles Chargers at mm-hmm. SoFi Stadium. Yeah. And that was insane. Mm-hmm. It was so cool to have that many people in the moment with you. That's the one thing I love the most about this job that I have is I don't know of many other professions where you stand up and you can forge an emotional connection mm-hmm. with thousands of people mm-hmm. in under two minutes. Mm-hmm. And you have that moment in time with them where it's your job to lift them out of whatever they're going through and transcend that moment through music. Yeah. And to be able to do that while singing the national anthem is the honor of a lifetime. You've also worked with and you continue to work with and you're on tour, I guess, soon or now with uh, Maria Osmond. She's quite a classic woman and performer in her own right. Yes, she is. Marie is incredible. She's so gifted and she's so giving. She has a heart and soul that is one of the most 
tender and beautiful people I've ever met on this earth. And I love every minute that we get to spend together on stage, traveling together. I've had the good fortune to record with her as well. We recorded uh, the prayer for her recent album, Unexpected. And we've toured all over the country together. I was just with her this past weekend in the East Coast. And I am just so fortunate to get to spend time around her and to be to be able to learn so much from her because not only is she a great performer, she's an incredible producer, she is an incredible musician, and she is a brilliant artist when it comes to putting together every element of a concert, of a show. She always says she was trained by the greats. You know, Lucille Ball, she says, taught her how to light and taught her comedic timing. Wow. She worked with Betty White, yeah. Sammy Davis Jr. All of these incredible people have passed their knowledge on to her. And Elvis, of course, as well, was a big figure in her life and to be able to spend time with people who have had mentors that way. And if, and if you're lucky enough, like I am to have them become a mentor to you, there's so much to be gained from the knowledge that they have. And it just, it's a gift. It's a gift to get to spend time with them. Well, thank you for sharing that. Okay. You've performed with some outstanding people already, but if you had a bucket list, other people, or if you ever cut a, a duet album, who would be on that list? Gosh. Well, do you have another three hours so that we can talk about that list? Because this is long. It's, that list is longer than the rep list we wanted to put in simply the best. Oh, my gosh. So um, there's a lot. I would say that someone I always grew up admiring their voice, because I believe it's one of the greatest voices of all time, was Celine Dion. I always mm. wanted to sing with her. I would love to duet with Michael Bublé. Mm. I would love to record with Josh Groban. I would love to duet with Hannah Waddingham, who is, uh, who's, you know, gained wonderful notoriety as of late with her performances on the TV series Ted Lasso. Hmm. But not everyone knows that she is a phenomenal musical theater singer. And she, and she has performed all over the world. She's one of the best voices I've ever heard. It would be a dream and a half come true to sing with someone like her and so many of our other contemporaries out there. Daniel, thank you so much for your time and uh, sharing your stories. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the show today, Lillian. It has been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I hope we get to see you at our show in the area on March 6th. Okay, so Daniel and Pia Toscano's PBS concert special, Simply the Best, can be seen on KVCR-TV, and they will be performing in Rancho Mirage at Agua Caliente Casino Resort Spa with the Desert Symphony performing on March 6th. Tickets are available at our website, kvcrnews.org events. For more information about Daniel Emmett, visit us at kvcrnews.org lifestyles and click on today's show. That's our show for this week. To hear any of our past shows, check out the archives at kvcrnews.org lifestyles or listen to Lifestyles on the KVCR app. You can also listen to Lifestyles on your favorite streaming service. Search for Lifestyles with Lillian Vasquez and take the show on the go. Lifestyles is on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us at 919Lifestyles and search for Lifestyles with Lillian on Instagram. Thanks to all who helped to make the show possible, including Sharina Wad, David Fleming, Sean Houlihan, and executive producer Rick Dulock. Our theme music is provided by Ethan Bortnick. Join me next week at the same time for Lifestyles with me, Lillian Vasquez. Bye for now. Bye for now.